0: Troy Galloway is a construction manager and consultant, commercial and residential builder, and a certified inspector for all commercial and residential buildings. And now, here is About the House with Troy Galloway. Welcome back, folks, to About the House. This is your radio podcast, Audio University on everything about your home we touch base on from real estate to investing to actually home maintenance to getting contracts done everything that you could ever possibly imagine about your home this show touches base on that And you know what's really awesome about this is that because of all of this information you can go back over and over and over to listen to And that way you actually, because there's so much information that we give on all our radio shows, our podcast shows, that it's just almost impossible. Even if, you know, and I know, I say it all the time, grab an ink pen, make notes, great idea, but it's just a lot of information. So just know that you could just pause, go back, pause, go back, and just listen to it or hit just specific items that you're looking for. So... I don't know anybody that's doing what we're doing, and that's what makes us so unique. And just like this radio show about the house is so unique, so is my company, Galloway Building Services. We actually are the host of this show, and we want to share with you our knowledge. But what makes us so different than everybody else is, yes, we do home and building inspections, but we are a construction expert consulting company. And what does that mean is that we can help you if you're having your uh, building done. You want to make sure it's done right. You've got a contractor. You want to make sure things are going along with plans. Maybe you need some help. Uh, you're the general contractor. I also teach at the college. Uh, besides this radio show, we're also licensed with the Missouri Real Estate Board for teaching different building science courses. So we try to make a point to educate And because of that, that's why we're held in such high regard when it comes to knowing what we're doing, watching out for you, make sure you're getting what you paid for and you're not getting ripped off. Of course, that's our motto, too. So anyway, (laughs) I had to throw that in there. But give us a call. And my office number is 636-394-3112. Give us a call anytime. We also got, you can pick if you have to, and it's late at night, just leave a message. We'll get right back with you the very next day. And we'd love to be able to answer any questions that you get. We get folks call all the time and asking questions. Just, I mean, whether they hire us or not, they just hear of our show. And we always send out to everybody. Hey if you have a question check us out on our Facebook check us out on our webpage com. check us out on Instagram check us out on all the media uh, social media platforms and and ask us questions we love the questions and a- You know, if I don't know what it is and I don't know everything, I go straight to the experts that do. That way you are getting the very best information. And that's kind of how this show we're doing today is. When we first originally started doing this show, the radio station wanted to call it Ask the Expert. And so today that's what we're kind of doing, kind of going back to what we originally started with and Ask the Expert. Because you folks have asked me so many questions I try to answer you each and individually but if I see some of these questions over and over again that's telling me that we need to get this information out to the masses and so that's what we're doing today. I got some great questions, questions that get asked more often than not. We've done several of these different kind of frequently asked questions, ask the expert questions but this one I kind of went through them, took my time, wanted to make sure that we got them for kind of seasonal and so this is going to be more about winter and spring and questions that we get asked a lot so we'll jump right into it and let's get at it and let's ask the first question and this one here is really probably one of the top questions i get asked and it said it just snowed and i got snow on my roofs and there's spots up on my roof that there's no snow but yet there's snow all over the roof how come this is well that's a great question and i got a lot of youtube videos out there talking just about this but normally what this is is it's just heat rising up and out of your roof and your, of course heat what's heat that's money so just see that as dollar bills don't see it as that uh, snow missing that's dollar bills floating right through your roof these are spots that are telling you that, hey, I got some air leakage. I got some heat leaking coming up and through there. Because naturally, if the rest of the roof has got snow on it and you got these little areas that there isn't any snow, then that's a problem. And so you want to think about that. But go in there and investigate what's happening. And of course, if you have any troubles, you can always give us a call or maybe snap some pictures and we'll try to help you that away. But it's normally always heat uh but it's definitely a leakage of some sort not necessarily a moisture leakage but it is air infiltration leakage so that's a good idea so when it snows put your jacket on go on outside and see where your weak spots are at that's going to help you tremendous a lot heat rises goes out of the roof and there goes your dollars all right so while we're talking about snow on the roof I've been asked, now this show actually is, people listen to this all over the country, so this is going to be more oriented towards my friends and family and such that listen to this show up in the northern states. My friends in the California area, well, you know, just enjoy the beautiful weather while you're locked in and not being able to go out and enjoy it. Isn't that horrible? Here you're living in the paradise of the world and uh, you can't even enjoy it. But my folks in the northern states, they get a lot of snow And they get so much snow on their roofs that it honestly, it does, it creates a lot of problems. So they asked me, what should you do with that snow? Should you leave it up there? that act as an insulator? Well, yeah, it kind of does act as an insulator. But that's kind of what the problem is, too, because when that snow melts, we're going to talk about that. When that snow melts, it literally will refreeze up underneath there and cause you other issues. So we're going to talk about that a little bit as we go along. But, yes, I do recommend that if you get a big snow up on your roof, you know, what do I mean by a big snow? A foot or more up there on your roof. Just think just the weight alone. Of it, especially if it's melted and thawed, melted and thawed, you know, and it's still that thick, and you're still getting fresh snow up there. It's getting pretty heavy, so I want you to—they—they they literally sell snow rakes. I know you folks up north, you're giggling at us down south and in, in the southern states, but yep, uh, they have snow rakes, and you drag that snow off. Now, I do recommend highly that when you do drag your snow off the roof, don't take it all the way down to the shingles. You say, how come? You just said how that could cause trouble. Well, because when you're dragging that snow off with that rake, you're also dragging it across them asphalt shingles. And the granular uh, material that's on your shingle, you're dragging it off. So you're actually going to be creating more troubles by doing that because your roof's not designed to have stuff dragged across it. So just leave a little bit of snow, like an inch or so. Don't just try to make it sparkly clean. You'll be fine. It's going to work great for you. Uh, that's why we don't worry about it so much here in the uh, Midwest area, because, yeah, we do get some good snows up there, but it usually don't last long. But, you know, when I was doing some research on snow removal, not necessarily on your roof, but snow removal, period, like on your sidewalks and patios and driveways, which, you know, that's something we all have to deal with in the snow areas. There We have our traditional methods of taking our snow, and uh, they're not a whole lot of fun. Uh, you get out there with a snow shovel and do it, or you can get a snow blower and do it, and all that's great. But I thought we'll see what other kind of wild ideas out there that are good, maybe good that work well for us. Now, one of the ones I saw was hot water. Now, hot water—that's you got it. That's kind of—I don't know. I—I know that works, but if it's too cold, we all know that hot water will freeze instantly. But in areas that you're kind of in between, you know, like we get a like, for instance, we've had some good snows here and it was like 30 degrees, 25, 30, 30 you know, 32, 33. Well, actually, where I live out here, our offices out, out of St. Louis area, we actually, our snows, literally, we get deeper snows when it's a little bit warmer like that than we do when it really gets cold. So, hot water would work good there; don't work so good in other places, and also, I want to throw a disclaimer out about the hot water as it will refreeze and create ice. But you do need to get to your car. It's a great way of taking care of things. so just think about that and it's real simple to do uh Here's another one now u v shades now, this is a usually a method that and what this is is actually letting Mother Nature do the work for you in u v in u v shades your car shades. You know, that we put in our windows in this summertime to help block the heat out. Well, you put that in there and put that up on, on your areas that you're trying to get through. Yes, yeah, not only economical, but it's environmentally friendly, which we're going to talk about some of that, too. But it's really cool because it'll help you uh, it, it just be able to keep that stuff right off. So you peel that off. Now, and then you got a, uh, I'm not going to say a dry spot area to walk away, but you're going to have a safe area that you're not going to get hurt on. Now, here's one I thought was a pretty cool idea. UV shades, well, heck, who, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, who in the world has that many of them laying around just for that? But I guess there are some people that like to put them out there on their deck or something like that. So, you know, smaller areas. And that way their puppy can go potty or something like that. At least that's what I've been told by folks when I shared that with them. And uh, so that's an idea. But here's a neat one. Beet juice and salt brine. I'm not kidding. I know you're thinking uh, beet juice and salt brine. Now that's a sound. I mean, how nutty can you be? Well, Apparently this works pretty well. And so what we do is actually it's a solution. You put the two together. I understand it to be extremely effective method of blending the beet juice and the salt. Brime, don't use the rock salt, use the brine. Brime is the juice off the salt. And it but and it's also pretty cool because it says it puts out a colorful mixture, uh, which I bet it does, you know. I bet it has a really between beet juice and, and, and salt and it puts out a pretty probably kind of cool now does that stain anything it says it does not stain our our concrete so that's a neat idea and uh, once again this is awesome for the environment because you're not hurting anything all this is natural uh for you to have this around there now too much salt is not good but you know, just get and I'll just look at look us up on our web page or on our YouTube videos, and we have the recipe. We got the YouTube videos up there. Actually, we're putting the recipe together and laying it out there. So use this because it will definitely it's less damage into your surfaces and it's economical. It's cheap, so I like that. Uh Vinegar, no, it must be white vinegar, Ramona, because red vinegar I don't know about that. <laughs> that's a bad joke between the two of us well actually it's a great joke she loves white vinegar i love apple cider vinegar so i always tease her the white vinegar uh, is for killing and for canning but <laughs> in all sincerity uh it's i'm just giving her a hard time here because i know she listens to the show but i want you to think about vinegar what we'd like to do is put water and vinegar and make it a deicer. You know another a good area for this is say if your car handles or your knobs or your or uh, getting into your cars froze over. Sometimes we have our patio doors in the back to get froze up. Sometimes if we got some air leakage or we got uh, ice damming under our doors, and we have to be able to be able to open our doors or whatever for emergency. Uh, that these are definitely good spots to use this vinegar and water and they say a 50 50 mix you know or maybe you know even if you want it more powerful 60 percent vinegar 40 percent water and once you pour it over the icy area the ice will slowly turn into a liquid so and that is a fabulous neat way two really cool ways there's several different ways the uv shades but the beet juice and salt brine i never even thought about that uh i definitely never thought about vinegar All right. So let's just stay on that a little bit here. So we're going to move over here to some of the, I get these questions a lot because of the damage that can be created by using salt and our calcium chloride. Now, people ask me, what's the difference? Well, rock salt is a natural material and calcium chloride is man-made. Now, calcium chloride does work better on lower temperatures and won't refreeze as easily. Rock salt has a tendency to melt it off, but then when it gets really cold, that it, it just kind of washes away. You don't have any kind of protector there, and it will refreeze. But I want to make sure that you understand that rock salt on your sidewalks and on your decks, porches, can definitely can just eat this topping right off of it so i really don't know that that's a great idea to use rock salt though i do i do in times because sometimes that's all we have maybe i got a little bit of rock salt left over making homemade ice cream during the winter summertime huh you know i know that sounds kind of crazy but i sure do love to think of anything during this time of the year that reminds me of summertime and homemade ice cream is it Mm-mm-mm. all right so anyway, now that I got my hunger pangs all wild up here, let's keep on moving. So we kind of talked about a little bit of this here uh, with the salt and the rock salt and the calcium chloride. Uh, and like I said, calcium chloride is, once again, a little bit more expensive and uh, than rock salt. Oh, I guess it's probably as environmentally friendly as rock salt. They both two are. But all right. So here's another question. And actually, we see this more often than not. And my and a question, say my windows are breaking and the cracking of the glass and it's normally on the top sash. And now myself, I have seen this on the two stories more than I have on ranches, which I'm I'm kind of curious about. I'd have to do more uh, research on that. How come that happens? But what's happening is is that your glass is cracking because you got your double pane glass, and that's where we normally are seeing this at. And you get ice damming. And I we we talked about some of this in our different shows that we've done. But ice damming, for those who didn't hear this before, ice damming is where I get that heat rising up. Remember we talked about that on our roof earlier in the beginning of the show. Our heat's rising up and it's going up through the walls or the wall cavities. And there is a certain amount, even if you got insulation in your walls, you got gaps and such and this heat rises. And it's, you can't stop it from rising. That's what heat does, you know. And so it comes up through there and melts that snow, turns it into ice when it gets cold, that literally will run up the hill, up the roofs of your house. That's why we actually use Ice Shield. Uh, but it'll run up the hill and into your walls, back down, freezes around your windows. Your windows are and now not able to, you got two different sashes, heat on one side, extreme cold on the other, crack two hundred and fifty to five hundred dollars just lost just like that so that is why we if you have we talk about raking the roofs off if you have to making sure you know to listen to some of our shows how we're going to cut as much of that down as possible listen to our, our riffing shows all of that because that's going to help you save yourself a ton of money also to make sure them gutters are clean before which we talk about that too during our fall shows, how to get for winter prepping, make sure them gutters are clean because that's going, that debris is only going to help hold that snow and ice even that much more. So make sure that you get that taken care of. It's called ice damming. You go back and check out our shows. You'll see about more about that. All right, so here I got another good question here. and I have a new home. And I, honestly, folks, this happens on almost all new homes. And it's kind of one of the things that they'll be talking to you about. And that is... I have a new home and the dirt is falling in around it. Why? Why is that? Well, what happens is, is that when we dig our foundations, uh, we we got a lot of we backfill our dirt. Well, the backfill of our dirt, you can only compact it so much because you're trying. Well, you know, honestly, you're not trying to put a lot of pressure up against that brand new poured concrete, or you blow that concrete out how many times have we all seen and i know my concrete companies out there foundation companies saying yes sir that happens a lot where the concrete breaks cracks or blows out from having too much pressure or heavy weight up against it so that's what that is is that it's the settling of the soil and of course that creates other issues too that creates any kind of ponding and things like that that's going to also create more water going down into our basement So we want to make sure you got drainage away from the house. When that settles in, then I want you just to go to have to get some more dirt and fill it in. And you're going to have to keep doing that. Now, if your contractor has got the time or he knows what he's doing, sometimes they, they know what they're doing, but they don't have the time. Sometimes they have the time. They just flat face it. They just don't want to fool with it. We call it jetting the soil and what it so basically what that amounts to is that we put a water pipe into the ground uh hook it up to our garden hose and let it soak let our dirt soak now some of us here in the midwest got clay some of us got plastic soil you know so these kind of soils are they hold a lot of water uh when they dry out they shrink and that's causes us a lot of problems so just called jetting the soil now want you go back check out some of our youtube videos and our uh, and you'll see that we've gotten a lot of this already applied we talk about this so but jetting the soil so ask your contractor did you jet the soil i know what they're going to say oh yeah we did so you're going to tell me we probably are not going to get much uh settling well i can't promise that well no you can't promise that because you probably didn't do it i uh, rarely do i ever see them even do it so anyway you make sure you jet that soil all right, the next one. Now, it's a little bit of springtime here, throw it in this one, but uh, when's a good time for us to seed and install sod on our home, around our home? Now, sod, them are just them like blankets of, of grass already that they cut up and they put them in strips. That's what we call installing sod. Now, everybody's got their own way of thinking about when's the best time to do it, but seeding and strawing can actually, in my opinion, and which I normally have for our company when we build custom homes, we normally say we won't seed and straw until 15 of April. And then after that, we do, because now I can actually get grass growing and everything's happening and I could get out there. Now, I do recommend that you do put straw if you've got a wintertime home, put straw around the fount- around your yard to keep it from washing out. But you're not, honestly, you're not going to really get any grass but uh, to growing. But, you know, and there is some good grass mixes out there that are designed for different times of the year. It's got, sometimes I cut a little bit of wheat in it. You know, of course, we get a little bit of wheat growing anyway from our straw that we put out there. But from, so anyway, from the 15th of October to about the 15th of June. And then I don't normally like to put seed and straw out there during the heat of the summer because, well, for one, you don't have a lot of time to babysit it. But it's also, it's just hard to try to get anything growing in the heat of the season when it's really, really hot. And here in the Midwest, our hottest time of the year, I know people think it's August, but if you go check your weather people and all our, our energy efficient folks, you know, that do smart houses, they'll tell you July is our hot month. So we want to make sure that uh, we don't do it then. And then my next date that we actually start putting it back in seeding the straw and sodding Yeah, it depends on the weather, you know, but September 15th or right after Labor Day until the end of October. And that kind of, you know, it depends on the weather itself. But, you know, pretty much that's a good rule of thumb. So, April 15th to June 15th, September 15th to October 15th. Them are good prime times to do it. All right. So, let's just keep on moving here. And one of the other questions I get asked uh my sidewalk and driveway is cracking up is what can i do what should i be doing ah oh that's a great question once you get the you know you have your expansion cracks already in your concrete them are the lines that you see already drawn in it you know that it's been laid in and laid in it sometimes it's saw cut into it like in our in our garages and them are expansion joints they're made to we actually are the controlled cracks because our concrete's going to shrink up, that's going to crack. We want to have our cracks in our controlled joints, but you know the world's not perfectly round, and it's not going to perfectly work. And so we're going to, we get crackage elsewhere. We get movement, street creep, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so you know you're going to get crackage. What happens with that crackage? is that during the winter time when we get cold weather down and through there we get water down up underneath there and then we get our freezing and thawing and then we get uplifting upheaval of our concrete more cracking more problems more damage uh, so you uh, yes i want i highly recommend that we put a sealant in all our control cracks and also in all of our existing uh, cracks that, that popped up, uh, the uncontrollable cracks, the ones we complain about, you know, the ones that are ugly. And you want to seal that. Now, there's a specific types of sealant slash caulking that we would use. We want a self-leveling caulking. And this is designed for, you can get it at Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards, you know, kind of any kind of Ace Hardware, any of these kind of places. They all sell it. And it's self-leveling. So you just take your caulking gun, and I like to buy a quart tubes of it because it it go you go through it pretty quick. You got a small area, you can use a just buy a little uh, pint uh, tube of caulk, but you put this down into it, and it self levels itself but what i really love about it is that it literally because it stays elastic for so long for a few years it's not forever you have to go back and redo it in a few every few years but it's elastic so it moves back and forth until it completely dries out and that literally will save you folks if there's not one of the tips I got in here for you that's going to save you tens of thousands of dollars, that's it right there. For just a handful of dollars here, you're gonna and maybe a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon, you could take care of that. It's real easy. It's gonna save you a ton of money. Make sure you use it. Now, in my area here in the Midwest, we have a brand called Sika S-I-K-A. Uh there's other brands out there that are just, it's as good. Make sure you get a good brand. Make sure you, you know, don't don't cheap out. Don't cheap out and get the cheapest crap that you can buy. Because you're going to get what you pay for. And you're only going to be heartbroken. So get that. Now, Sika has been a good one. I have used it myself for years. I use it on my own property. I love it. All right. So self-leveling sealant. Conky. It'll take care of that for you. And actually, for you folks that have rental homes that are listening, that a lot of times our occupancy will be uh, rental occupancies that we have. They'll call us on a cracking of our driveways. Uh, and so they'll, that's how we fix that. All right. So let's move on to the next question. And actually, I don't know. I said some of these others. I didn't really put these in order of what I get asked the most. But this is one I get asked a lot. Why am I supposed to take off my hose off the water spigot outside during the wintertime? Well, that's a great question, because what happens is, is people think, well, I'm just going to turn the water off from the inside and not going to worry about that, because you know, that's how we always did it. But we have these frost-free now, spit water spigots, and this is how they work, because it's kind of, it it doesn't, it doesn't, it makes sense unless you've actually worked on one, cut one open, and so we, and and this is what we put on all new homes now, frost-free spigots. That way, if you don't get the water turned off, you just make sure you get the garden hose off. And that, and, and I'll explain how this works. So what we do is that that water, you, you, when you turn your valve off, that, there's a long stem that goes way back up inside, you know, foot, 16 inches, whatever your depth of your spigot is, and it shuts that water off back behind there. But it leaves water inside of my spigot. Uh, So if I don't, if I leave my garden hose on, it doesn't naturally have that water drain out of that interior tube and it cracks it and it breaks it. It don't just crack it. It creates a disaster. And so that because we're not letting that water automatically drip out. And I so when you get, when you listen to one of our spring shows that we're, we're going to be doing, we talk about getting ready for the spring, You know some of those things we've already talked about. Make sure that if you left that, you know what, I don't even care if you just thought you took your garden hose off in time. When you turn that spigot on, what happens is that water, well, yeah, some of that water will come out of your spigot and it's deceiving, but that water is going to also be running down in your basement and down in your basement walls. And if you got a finished basement, this can be a disaster, you know, and, and especially if you got hooked into a sprinkler system. So you make sure that when you turn that water on, you're watching to make sure that you don't have any kind of moisture issues. Just take a little walk around, you know, and make sure that you're safe and just maybe you took the garden hose off. But maybe your tenants didn't, and they put it back on and forgot it and then took it off later. You know, or maybe your wife did, or maybe your children was helping you, or maybe you just forgot. Probably is what happened is you just forgot. And uh, so make sure that you do this. i am tell you what, folks, this is very important. So these are something that I want you to make sure you make a note of. All right. We're going to keep on going because I think that's a great question, though, folks, and I'm glad that I got a chance to talk about that. You're going to hear me talk about that more often, and you probably heard me talk about that three or four different times already on different shows. All right. But we'll move on. We don't need to beat up a dead horse or a broken water faucet. Let's move on to the next one. Why do I have holes in my soffit? Well, let's explain what a soffit is. A lot of folks call a soffit the overhang. So it's your roof and it comes down and then the roof goes past your walls of your home. And that section right there is called the soffit. Your gutter boards or your rake boards, Uh, they actually would be your fascia. But your gutter, your soffit has holes in it because that's for ventilation, now, there for the longest time in the 80s through the 90s, and I think some builders probably still do that around the country, is that we had blocks that went in between our, our rafters, our, our trusses, and they had little screens on it. And so, you know, that, that's not ne- that's technically necessarily called a soffit, but for the sake of this conversation, it's the soffit. And so what that does is that that allows ventilation. And you want good ventilation. We're going to talk a, bit, a little bit about that here in the next couple of questions. And ventilation is the key to, well, it's the key to longevity of your roof. It really is the key to the sheathing of your roof your integrity of your rafters your trusses so make sure that you got when we talk about ventilation you got to make sure them are opened up now some of them guys that's out there doing soffit and fascia you know aluminum or vinyl soffit and fascia they don't put any holes they put that vented soffit up there but you know how many times i literally have seen and when we did our investigating of why we're having kind of structural issues is that their roofing or their siding contractor did not put any kind of ventilation. They they stuck them vented soffit panels up there, but they didn't do anything with it. And they say, well, there wasn't anyone to begin with. Well, you know what? Just because you were stupid the first time don't mean you need to be stupid a second time. But maybe what you're really being is just absolutely lazy and trying to make a quick buck on your consumer's back. So folks, when you're doing this, make sure that they are getting this vented. Now, holes drilled into it if it's a solid uh, of soffit already existing. If it's got holes in it already, you're probably fine. And we talk more about that in other issues about ventilation up in your attic. And what that, and we're not going to get into that today, uh, because these are just ask the expert questions. But you want to make sure if your contractor and you're not there to watch them do the work, have them take pictures of them drilling them holes into that. It's that important. All right. So we're talking about ventilation. One of the other questions I get is. Troy, what's better, the ridge vent or a hood vent? Now let's describe what both of them are, so kind of put it in proper perspective. The ridge vent, at the very crown where your roof comes together, makes that peak, you'll notice that there's a ridge line that's kind of uplifted from the rest of it. And that's a, called a ridge vent. And then you got these other type of vents called... Uh, hood vents, there's other box vents, there's other names for them, but you'll see them vents that they're not at the very tip top, but they're just little boxes all up and down on the roof. And they're for ventilation. They work great. Now, which is better? Folks, I, the ridge vent is by far the best. And this is why. So, whenever that air, we, we talked about the soffit, and that ventilation is coming into the uh, attic then you let that natural thermal cycling effect draw that heat up and out to the top and of course remember heat rises so when heat rises it's actually drawing up air up through the up, right up into the roof so you're getting a natural cycle of fresh continuous air now i'm not saying that doesn't work with the hood vents but you got hot 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 during the summertime air at the tip and that is causing problems for us in our attics so that's very important and i'm not saying run out there and get a ridge vent just because of that but i am saying heck fire folks if the roofers when you get a new roof pay that extra i always recommend whenever i do a roof inspection i always tell the folks when you got it ready to do that make sure that you put in a good v- vents in sight of that so, there are some really great ones right there to talk about. Now, uh, we talked about a little bit about sealing already of our driveways, and one of the questions here I got wrote down that we get asked, should I seal in my concrete? Now, what does it mean by sealing the concrete? Well, there is actually a material that we put over it that acts as a protective coating. I highly recommend it, and you hear me talk about this a lot, is I, wanna, I highly recommend that we actually put the sealant down on top of our concrete, especially like on our garages, you think, well, I'm not getting snow and stuff on there. No, but you're dragging all that stuff that the city, thank goodness the city does it. I am no complaints. I, I plane complain when they don't. But all that, there are chemicals and stuff they put out there on our streets and your roads as you're going along. And you're dragging that up and then you got that all built up on the snow and the ice underneath your vehicle. And when that melts, that goes down there and that destroys the coating right off. So it's just as important in that garage as anywhere else. Yes, and I do highly recommend that you seal your driveway and your porches, uh, your sidewalks because you want to make sure any of the chemicals that we've talked about earlier, eh, maybe not so much beet juice, you know, that's pretty cool, that's a neat idea. I'm. I got th- i can not wait to uh, actually. When we get a big snow coming in here in the next day or so, I'm gonna. I got to get out there and, and check that out. That'll be cool. But anyway, I don't know beet juice gonna really cause you a whole lot of trouble or vinegar, but you know, but it. But definitely our rock salt on, and our uh, other types of salt materials that we have. All right, so want to make sure that you do seal that, and we want to do that in the spring and in the fall. Give them two different times of the year to take care of that. Next question I get asked a lot is, my underground drain on my downspouts is backing up after the downspouts have thawed out. Well, your underground drains, that's where my downspout comes off. It's draining the roof off the house and and it goes into a drain under the ground. Why that's happening is for a couple of reasons. Number one, is maybe we got like maybe animals living down in there. Maybe we got leaves in there, obstructions in there, and it's got it clogged up. And that's a lot of times that's what's happening. Or we got enough material or debris in there that it's slowing the flow of the water going out of it. But what happens is, is so just think about this. So we got a nice, beautiful day out here and we've had the ground and it's defrosting and, and and the snow's running off the roof and it's going down our downspouts. But, you know, underneath the ground, it's still cold. That frost line goes down. Sometimes it can go down. Well, it uh, depends on what part of the country you're in. Anywhere from four foot or five foot in some of our areas, all the way down to 20 some inches. And in my neck of the woods, well, they say 30, but I like 32 to 36. But that's going to be frozen. That could literally be frozen. Now we could talk more about snow insulating the ground and all of that for our building series that we're going to do. But now for this, that makes sure that it's absolutely you got to make sure that it flows out of there. One of the ways there's there's companies and contact me. I'll give a hold of you that flush them out, clean them out, like rotor rooter type companies that clean our drains, our underground drains out. Very good idea. Very good idea. You don't want troubles. All right. The next question. Troy, I'm getting, now this I should be kicking back to the electricians, but we'll talk about that here. Troy, I'm turning on my lights to the outside, I got an outside switch, and I'm feeling some shock, uh, like a little tingle. Well, first thing, that's probably because you don't have something grounded properly. Also want to make sure, like some of our older homes are not GFCI connected, You want to make sure you got good grounding and you want to make sure that if you're going to be standing in wet spots, that it's waterproof boxes on the outside. You want to make sure that it's all, you know, that you're done. So I highly recommend that you just, if you feel this, don't try to take care of it yourself. Call electrician and have them come out and look at it and take care of it. Because, you know, literally, maybe uh, it's just a power of suggestion that you feel it. But most of the time, it's not. And who could take that chance? Who wants to take the chance? Electrocution hurts. You don't want it. Call a licensed electrician. He'll help you out. Take care of it. All right. So that's a a good question. That's a good safety question. All right. Then I have another one. I have watermarks around my ceiling, around the chimney, but they just replaced my roof. How come? Well, you know, this happens a lot. It really, really happens a lot. And the reason it is, it's my flashing. Roofers, they're trying to get that job in. You folks out there, you're trying to be penny conscious. Understandable. We don't want to have to pay more than what we have to. Nobody does. But this other Joe Blow, he'll come here, Joe Blow Roofing Company, and he'll want to come in here and say, hey, I could beat this other company by X amount of dollars. And you don't really need to have this, this new, uh, any kind of new flashing added to it. You don't need any counter flashing. You don't need any step flashing. What we'll is use what you got? Well, bad idea most of the time. Not all the time. Most of the time. And so what I recommend, so what's happening is, is that you're getting this water and stuff coming through this old, new roof, old flashing new leak, which they've created. Now, if they say, and this is what a roofing companies will do, they'll say, oh, you don't need it. Then I want you make a note of this, back this up, make a note of this, get it in the contract, which I teach us in my construction classes at the college, get it in the contract. If they're telling you, you don't need to have flashing, then you have a warranty that, uh, make sure I guarantee you, they're not going to take that chance if they think they got to come up here and take care of water damage inside your home. So you make sure that's it's in writing. Trust but verify. Don't just have them tell you that. Make sure you know it for a fact. Make sure it is taken care of. Um, flashing, it's important. It may cost you a little bit more money, but it's going to cost you a ton more money in the long run if you don't take care of it now. And do it right the first time. Kind of like what we was taught in my generation. Do it right the first time or don't do it at all. Ah, yeah, perfect example. All right, so here's another one here that we catch. And that is, I have water coming down my furnace chimney when it's cold outside. How come? That's called condensation. And we see this when it really, really gets cold in my area. We see it a lot more up north. And what is happening is is that... When that heat comes up out of there, actually, we see it, it's actually, then it's creating a condensation, bringing that moisture out, and it's dripping right down the t- chimney pipe. And it literally will go down the walls all the and it can go all the way down into the chimney. And you'll see it. Sometimes you'll actually see this right down in your basement. You'll see where your pipe is all rusted. And it just doesn't make any sense. Well, that's why it's making sense. You got condensation issues. Now, there's other condensation issues that we could talk about during the winter time, but uh, want to make sure that these are the ones that uh, this is a hot one. And actually, I see this with a lot of us asbestos lined uh, chimneys. And I love the asbestos lined chimneys. Don't 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 get rid of them. They're just the environmentally if they're sound shape. Your roofing company or HVAC company will tell you make sure that they're fine. It's just that they will have we see a lot of troubles with that. So that is d- definitely an issue that we want to look at. All right. Now, here's another one and I really should have just kicked this one back to Noel Buckingham. Actually, Noel did our uh, termite insect show here a few months ago. Well, I guess maybe about a year ago now. And uh so he talks about that, but do I have termites living in the winter? Well, yeah. You got termites in the winter. They just are not as active as that they are in the summertime. So when you get a inspection, and so if for instance, I'm inspecting your home and I don't see any kind of trails or any kind of signs, that doesn't necessarily mean you don't have termites during the wintertime that's living up inside your wall, just waiting for the warm weather to come, and then they get active, and bingo, you got it, because when we do a termite inspection, they can't see behind the walls without actually exposing it. So if there's no telltale signs or maybe just fresh and newly activity happening before the bad weather, well then, yes, termites live in the winter. They're just not as destructive. Heads up come summertime. All right. Now, let's go back on over here. We'll talk a little bit about vinyl siding. So, this is something that we see a lot of, and it's normally done because of vinyl siding from poor installation, poor installers, probably just another taillight warranty contractor who did you the job. You, know, you know that guy that did that job for next to nothing and they beat everybody else's price? Well, that's probably why, because he don't know what he's doing. So what happens is, because is vinyl, it literally will get gaps in between the siding, and that's not good. Because that's letting moisture and, and the elements into behind the wall. Vinyl siding is supposed to be overlapped three quarters to one inch, approximately. Nobody measures, you know, but you want to have it overlapped at least that much. And what happens is, is if it's not overlapped enough, well, then come wintertime, it shrinks, okay. But then come summertime, when it goes back, it swells up again, heats up, and expands. Oh, well, then it don't really slide back together. And now you got buckling. You got, you see it. Y'all see it out there. And it's just, it really looks like the, it's poor installation. So you should be able to go out there and take a look at that yourself so that you can look underneath it. Make sure that, honestly, folks, just make sure you get a reputable company. Don't go out there and just go get the cheapest guy. I'm not saying the cheapest guy is not going to be your best bet. I'm just saying, just don't make sure it's you buying it just because of the price. Make sure that they know what they're doing. We see this more with vinyl than we do the others, so that's why I brought this up. The other sightings can do it too. All right, so in my last questions that I'm going to have for today for our show, and that is, I hear popping sounds going on inside my home. Is my house haunted? Well, I'm not going to say it's not haunted, but the odds are that's not what's happening. You know, what normally what we see is that our home is there's a lot of things going on, and of course, all our boards are not perfectly straight or level is not always tight, and so we get our walls are literally moving, and we talk about floor squeaks. Or actually, we need to do a whole show on floor, show on floor squeaking. But what happens is, as you get that difference of temperature, and then the walls are moving at different rates, and then you're getting some voids. And it's shrunk, and it's really wet, and the materials are all soaked. When that dries, well, then you got your voids. That's normally what's happening inside there. Also, too, uh, on our ductwork. Our ductwork, our furnace HVAC ductwork, heating and cooling, can literally pop. So when that hot air or or even cold air, it depends on where it's at, what goes through our ductwork, then that expands it and pops. And sometimes it can kind of be kind of just alarming. It can be so loud. That's what we see on, you see on your ductwork, you'll see X's, you know, bent into your ductwork. And that's what they do that for is design that so as that it won't break like or crack like that. And that's more on your, normally on your wider expansive ductwork than your narrower ones, but that's what it's for. So a lot of times that's just it. And there really is just not a lot you're going to do about it. Just, you know, as long as your head's up, hey, no, it's not haunted, you know, but also, Here's another one, and this I've experienced this. And more often than not, especially more in my rural areas, but we're seeing more and more because we're getting more wildlife in our city or urban areas, but it's animals living in there. You know, and, and I, I've picked them up with my thermal imaging before, literally picking up animals living inside of there. Now, bats are not going to cause you that much trouble. And normally bats normally leave your home during the wintertime and go find another uh, shelter and check your, your conservation magazines and they'll talk about that. But you get squirrels living in there. You can get birds living in there. You can get opossums, skunks, you know, I mean, we don't you know skunks, but you get animals living inside, there, inside of there. I mean, I I, I had one customer tell me one time, they took pictures of it, asked me, what kind of animal is this? he my, come right through the side of the house. He had a wood pile outside of his house, and it was a possum. And that possum had made a home for his his mama possum for her and her babies, and she just ate right on through and decided just to come on in where it was even warmer and what day with some food. So... You know, get a hold of a good exterminator, get a hold of a good company that knows how to get rid of wildlife, and I could help you with that. Uh, like I said, check out our radio show. You Noel know, was a great fella. He definitely could help you with that. Well, folks, I hope that some of these have been helpful for you. I really hope that the these ideas are going to save you money, going to save you some grief, and that uh, makes you heads up. The more we know, the more we don't get ripped off. And sometimes, If you know what you're doing and you're listening to our show, you're educating. You literally are educating the lesser contractors out there. Well, folks, thank you for listening to our show. Really enjoyed it. Stay tuned for the next one. We got some great shows coming up right after this. We actually got a great uh, guest speakers coming into our show here in the next few weeks. And, uh, you know, we're getting past this uh, virus stuff happening out here right now. And uh, so we're getting more and more people going to get out there and get back into the world and get back to living and, Folks, thank you. God bless you. I want to thank Joey, our producer, for helping us out here. He's a great guy. I highly recommend it. And you know, he didn't even pay me to say this. I honestly mean it. Uh, So, must be right. Thank you, folks. God bless you. Have a great day. Sponsored by Troy Galloway and Galloway Building Services. Your top choice for professional home inspections in the St. Louis area. GallowayBuildingServices.com. Bye, bye.